0: WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. That's WonderfulPistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 176, Eat to Live, Don't Live to Eat, by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. And I'm Dr. Neil, your host and narrator. Hey there, happy Monday, and welcome back to another week of Optimal Health Daily. This is where I read to you from some of the best health and fitness blogs on the web. Now today, I'm really excited because I've been invited back as a guest on Brian Copeland's Motivation Monday show. You may recall that I was interviewed, oh, let's see, mid-December of last year for his Motivation Monday show. Since today's Monday, I'll be interviewed live this afternoon. So if you happen to be around at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and listening to Brian Copeland's show on KGO Radio AM810, which is located in San Francisco, California, you'll probably hear my voice. Now, if you don't live anywhere near San Francisco, California, that's perfectly fine because you can still listen live by going to KGORadio.com or you can always listen to Brian Copeland's show by subscribing to his podcast. You can do so by searching for Brian Copeland in the app of your choice. Now, today's post comes from JC Dean, but really quickly, we're getting close to the end of the month already, which means it'll be time for another book giveaway pretty soon. If you want to be part of our raffles for free, make sure you're on our mailing list at oldpodcast.com. Now, I'll give you another little reminder at the end of the show, but for now, let's get to the post and start optimizing your life. Eat to Live, Don't Live to Eat by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. The title sounds easy, right? Eat to Live, Don't Live to Eat. Simple enough. So why do I go to the park and half of the people I see are overweight or severely obese? Why are their kids fat? Why do my coworkers have fat rolls that hang off the back of their chairs? It's a question I've asked myself over and over again. There have been many theories as to why people are fatter today than they were 100 years ago. Now, you could choose to believe the BS about good calories and bad calories, or that we are fatter because we don't eat like our ancestors. You can also choose to believe that calories don't matter. And we are fat because of the processed junk food we consume so much of. By taking a look at fat people, we can make the most probable assumption that they consume more calories than they expend. So, if you are in tune with what happens when energy intake is greater than energy expenditure, you know the excess energy is stored as body fat, or contributes to lean body mass gain under certain situations. Why is this important? A long time ago, when we had to chase down our food and stab it with a sharp object, storing fat was essential for survival, as it could be days or weeks before we might feast again. So, after I expended all of that energy hunting down the kangaroo, you can bet your sweet loin cloth I'm going to sit and stuff myself for the next few days. Now, some of that ingested energy went to preserving lean body mass, but a lot of the excess was shuttled right into my fat cells. Thankfully, we have the ability to store fat. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. So here's what I have noticed. While it's not revolutionary, it's not something we think about much. We are emotional eaters. Many of us are emotional eaters. We sometimes eat to relieve stress and find comfort in eating certain foods. While I have not looked at statistics, I'm willing to bet those of us at high stress jobs are more likely to be overweight than those in less stressful positions. I witnessed this at a previous job where over half of the workers there were overweight and some were dangerously obese. The day job was very stressful and the cafeteria served some really calorie-dense food. People would go to lunch and take the edge off by eating a foot-long chili cheese dog or go down the road and polish off a few Big Macs. Then, when it was time to head home, I'm sure many hit the pint of ice cream for their post-dinner indulgence. I've also noticed people working in lower-stress environments to be slimmer and more fit. I suppose they had more energy and vigor outside of work to be more active than their stressed-out counterparts. Now, this could all be coincidence and anecdotal, but I have a hunch there's more to it than that. Lots and lots of food. If you live in America, you know how easy food is to come by. We are constantly being told to eat thanks to TV, radio, and the internet. I'm specifically thinking about ordering a pizza right now because of the Domino's ad I see on the webpage. This seems to screw with our natural cravings. It's like we only become hungry because food is always in front of our face, so we only think we are hungry. We eat, and then a few hours later, are bombarded again with more advertisements of food. Time to go to Wendy's. No wonder we are a bunch of fatties. Lack of balance. This is probably the biggest factor in the obesity epidemic we are facing. The fact is, most people are very sedentary. We wake up, go to work, sit for eight hours, and return home to sit some more until we hit the sack. Now, this may sound a bit exaggerated, but it's not far from the truth for many. Most of the people living like this are very chunky too. People like to argue and say they have a metabolic disorder. They say, I eat the same amount that my grandparents used to eat, and they were always thin. I wonder if working on a farm and doing manual labor had anything to do with them staying so slim. If you're sedentary and desire to maintain your weight, it's most definitely a great idea to begin working out a few times per week, burn some calories, and move around a bit more than usual perhaps you can begin walking on your lunch break. If you don't have time to do any extra activity, then the only way to manage your weight is by watching what you eat and keep it at your maintenance intake. Now, ideally, you'll be doing both of these, exercise and watching your diet, for optimal results. Eat to live. Eating purely out of necessity is often hard to do because some food tastes so good. Sometimes we eat a little too much or indulge a bit too often. I'm not telling you to completely limit your intake of what you really enjoy eating because that will only make you crazy. This is coming from the guy who eats cereal every day because he absolutely loves it. I really love a big bowl of Captain Crunch with cold whole milk. The main point I'm trying to make here is we should view food as energy and nothing else. You simply need energy to live. Do not get hung up on food being bad or good, clean or unclean. This will only lead to a terrible relationship with food. I have experienced some slight issues with binge eating. Thus, I had to take the time to reestablish a healthy relationship with food. Nowadays, I'm not concerned with what I eat as long as I eat enough for my current goals. I make sure to get my protein, fish oil, and fill in the rest with other macros. I may eat pizza, tacos, oats, or have a few beers. Once you can view food as nothing but a fuel source, a piece of chocolate cake or a bowl of rice is essentially the same difference. They both provide energy. We need energy to live, don't live to eat, eat to live. You just listened to the post titled, Eat to Live, Don't Live to Eat by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform Although JC cited some anecdotal evidence in the beginning when he mentioned that he observed those with more stressful jobs are more likely to be overweight or obese, he's actually right. Uh, When we look at the data, when we look at the actual research that has been done, we do find that those in higher stressful positions tend to weigh more. Now, this doesn't automatically mean that a high-stress job causes you to become overweight or obese. There's a big difference there what it likely means is high stress jobs, means less time to plan meals, less time to work out, do the things essentially that will keep the weight at bay. He's also right that many of us are emotional eaters. What's interesting about our relationship with food is that there is a biological or physiological connection to it, and there's a behavior component. So for example, what we know is when you consume high fat, high calorie, high sugar foods, We call these quote-unquote comfort foods. Think about these comfort foods. Think about which types of foods would fall under this category of comfort foods. Chances are it's not gonna be fruit and veggies. It's gonna be cake, mac and cheese, french fries, pizza, ice cream, cookies, those kinds of things, right? That's because when we consume those types of foods, it releases all these good-feeling hormones in our brain. Our brain starts to light up and it makes us feel less stressed. It makes us feel more calm. So it's likely we have learned we're intelligent beings to turn to those foods when we feel stressed because we know it will calm us down. Then there's the other like behavioral component. When you were growing up and you skinned your knee, what did your parents probably give you to make you feel better and stop crying? Probably not a carrot stick. They probably didn't say, here, baby, have a salad, run along and feel better. Most likely, they gave you a cookie, a popsicle, something sweet that made you feel better. So there's this behavioral or habit part when it comes to consuming these types of foods for emotional reasons. But as JC mentioned, it's really all about moderation and balance. I have admitted many times on this show that I consume lots of quote unquote bad foods. I like pizza, french fries, and donuts. Those are my top three favorite foods, but it doesn't mean I consume those all the time. I balance everything out and I indulge when it's time to indulge. So no, you don't have to be perfect. But if you can recognize that maybe you're an emotional eater or that you don't maybe get up and move as often as you should, well, those are some places to start. Now, before we go, just a quick reminder that we give away books to random people on our mailing list on the first of every month. And we're getting pretty close to that next giveaway. So if you wanna have a chance to win, plus get some helpful spreadsheet tools from us all for free, come by oldpodcast.com and enter your email address. That's it. You're going to get the spreadsheets right away and you'll be in all our raffles automatically. That's it for Monday's episode. I hope you have a wonderful start to your week and I'll see you on tomorrow's show where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs